Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot, and I mean a lot, to talk about in the land of sports, because last week, unfortunately, we were preempted for reasons. Yeah. Uh, Mother Nature was up pain in our butts yeah to put it mildly so fortunately the sun is shining it is actually warm in upstate new york so we are definitely catching up on a lot of the breaking stories that were happening over the past week I, you know i was in side note i was thinking about that today as i was going about my day it's hilarious to me like if you live in the northeast of the united states you understand what i'm about to say but let me paint a picture for the rest of you uh, so last week we were facing down like a storm of biblical proportions. Mm-hmm. Nor'easter, like the the snowfall totals kept increasing. You know, one to three, three to six, eight to twelve, twelve plus. You know, and it was just like biblical proportions. And then here, you know, what are we gonna do? Oh my gosh, the road conditions are gonna be terrible. And then this, everything with that. And now a week later, it's sunny, like near sixty. Like I actually opened my my uh, balcony window at my apartment today. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's something that living in the where we do, we don't know exactly what the weather is going to play out. Like one minute it's going to be sunny and fifty five out, and then next it's going to be four feet of snow and minus ten. I'll say to borrow a phrase from the Drew Carey portion of whose line is it anyway? Uh, welcome to upstate New York, where the seasons are made up and the forecasts don't matter anyway. That is absolutely fact. That is so fact. And like we said, folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we're just going to keep it very short and sweet for the intro. Anything and everything that you need that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And remember, on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Let's talk some sports, Pad. Yeah. What has been the big story of the past week and Uh, a half? All of the free agency signings and news surrounding the NFL. Yes, that's right. The NFL is back in business. It is free agency time, which really is the true official kickoff to the calendar year. Mm -hmm. We always say the franchise tag day is what really gets the ball rolling, but it is always a domino effect Yes, that we see who gets franchise tagged. Teams then start making the final offers they want to make for possible free agents or if they really want to kind of dabble in getting a franchise tag player. It's a very messy situation, but it is part of the business that we know for the sport that we love. It is something that we have grown accustomed to that this is really going to give a sign of how our teams are going to do. Are they going to be taking the steps to go in the right direction? Or are they going to falter and fall flat on their face because they're going to be losing key players and they don't have those replacements? Does your front office give a shit or is your front office in the let's go for broke mode? Mm -hmm. And this is what will give the true vibe of the season kicking off because we haven't even gone into OTAs. We haven't gone into any preseason talk. Draft ain't even happened. The draft is coming up next month. But in the meantime, we are finally at a stage where we can say football is back. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's see how teams are shaping up, Pat. So kick it off. Yeah, well, I think we got to talk about the biggest domino that kind of fell, half fell. Like it's not fully fallen yet. The biggest dramatic domino in recent memory. Yeah. And that is coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. 
and the now polarizing even dare I say a true heel in the business if we're going to use a wrestling term yeah and that is yeah. one Aaron Rodgers yeah now we've documented this many many times over the show over the past couple of years there is a strong disconnect between mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers the star quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and the front office mm-hmm. to the point I think I feel safe to say it's toxic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right in that assessment just because were things in a better position, I don't think we'd be here. I agree. I think that there is a lot of egos involved and a lot of questionable moves, depending yeah. on what side of the fence you're on. Yeah. That it comes down to the star quarterback of Green Bay has finally had enough or mm-hmm. the front office has had enough of him. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both in this instance. It's It truly has turned into that. And it's odd to see that, obviously, when Aaron Rodgers came into the league, he was behind Brett Favre, the beloved quarterback at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Favre left under very interesting circumstances. Yeah. Wound up in New York, played with the Jets for a quick cup of coffee, and then went to Minnesota. Having a case of deja vu right now. And it feels that way, too. So when that happened... in both instances, they were traded. Mm-hmm. So now... Aaron Rodgers, the heir apparent to Brett Favre, is following in those footsteps because Mm -hmm. as it has been announced a la LeBron and the decision, Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show and basically, to paraphrase, said, I'm going to be playing for the New York Jets next season. I'm taking my talents uh, south and east. Yes. So, Pat, your instant reaction to this. I mean, it's good for the Jets. You know, nothing against Zach Wilson or Mike White or Joe Flacco or, you know, anybody since the days of Joe Namath. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jets have just not had a great quarterback. You know, they've had some success. And they, obviously the Ryan, uh, or the Mark Sanchez years were okay. Debatable, yeah. But, you know, the, the fact that they made it to the championship, they were, they were okay. Yeah, they were, they were okay at the beginning, but... yeah. But, you know, the Jets arguably haven't had a great quarterback since Joe Namath, you know, led him to a Super Bowl. You know, so, hey, good for the Jets to potentially land the free agent. You know, and I say potentially, and listen, he, what do you mean potentially? He announced it on the show. Listen, he said, I intend to play with the the New York Jets, not I'm going to play with the New York Jets. There's some stuff outside of his control between the two teams. You know, whether it's and we've heard a lot of things in the last week since he's made this announcement that it's all oh, they got to figure out what the compensation is going to be. Oh, if if the Jets wait until after June 1st, then they're not the not the Jets, the Packers. Mm-hmm. If the Packers wait until after June 1st, they save X millions of dollars. And this that's whatever it is. I'm not a front office guy. I'm not going to sit here and try to read the tea leaves, you know, but it's not a done deal yet. So, hey, you know, congrats on the Jets for at least getting one foot in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, does it make you more competitive for the season going forward. We'll see. You know, it, it's going to be a, a system he's familiar with because the Jets have the new offensive coordinator, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I believe is his name, mm. you know, who Rodgers has worked with in the past, and that was clearly a deciding factor in him going there because Rodgers said on the uh, Pat McAfee show that, you know, before he went into his darkness retreat, he was leaning 90% towards retirement. Yeah. And then his train of thought, whatever, with the the darkness retreat, you know, he kind of swapped the other way, you know. So for the Jets, good on you. We'll see what happens. You know, 
everyone thought it'd be a great upgrade for when Brett Favre came in for the Jets, and, well, look how that turned out. Well, at that point in Favre's career, he was already starting to show a little sign of the decline. Oh, sure, but I'm my point is just saying that, like, it. it yes, Aaron Rodgers is, like, a three-time, four-time, whatever it is, oh, yeah. MVP back-to-back, you know, one of the best players to ever play the game. But nothing's a sure thing. Nothing's a guarantee. There's been plenty of players to make the switch from other teams in other sports and try to play in New York, and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Something about New York. Well, the problem is you're going to the biggest media market in all the world, to be uh-huh. honest with you. New York is a very tough town to play in. And the back pages of the New York uh, newspapers were ready for him, taking on it, taking him on the next day. Mm-hmm. This is something that players know coming into a franchise, no matter if it's baseball, basketball, hockey, or football, mm-hmm. let alone any other sport in town. Yeah, New York is very, very tough to play in, and yeah. especially if you are not a very strong ego. Or, or a thick skin. Yeah. You're going to have a really difficult time. I think this move is beneficial maybe to the Jets, and I do say maybe in this point. Look at what you have right now. It's not much, and it's nothing to excite your fan base. Right. Sorry, Zach Wilson, we've said since day one, show me something, and we're still waiting. I just think it's funny that I forget when the quote was taken, but there was a Zach Wilson was asked, you know, what he would do if the Jets brought in somebody else at quarterback. And he go and he basically, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to make their life a living hell in, in the off season or in like training camp. And then, well, now you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. So good luck with that kid. Yeah, he's not going to have a good time with that one. No, just putting it out there. I'm sorry, the, the experiment failed. And this is what happens when you take a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. Yeah, it is a literal crapshoot. Mm-hmm. So either you're going to roll seven or you're going to hit your point. In this situation. Rodgers is a big upgrade. Oh, yeah. But you also have to take a look at the team around him. Mm-hmm. And the big comparison I say is are the Jets on paper right now better than the Packers? No. They're, to me, they're about even. Yeah. This is a lateral move at best. Yeah. The one thing is the Jets have a better running back, I think, in Brees Hall. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. I think that that is an upgrade. Wide receivers, I think, are equal, if not a downgrade. I'm sorry. The Jets' wide receiver core is not super impressive. I want to say more equal than downgrade. I mean, they they picked up Alan Lazard uh, in free agency. Uh, who uh, They signed Alan Lazard to a four-year, $44 million deal. Uh, there's a potential out after the 2025 season. Uh, he's got $22 million guaranteed. Uh, and then the 2027 year uh, automatically voids on the fifth day of the 2027 waiver period of reading all this from Spotrack.com. Mm. But along with Brees Hall, who we mentioned, they've got Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, uh, Tyler Conklin is uh, their starting tight end, according to ESPN.com. Uh, Nick Bauden is their starting fullback. Uh, some of the other uh, notable targets he's got, he's got Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter as other running backs and some of the other receivers, Elijah Moore, Malik Taylor, Denzel Mims, uh, Deontay Spencer, Irvin Charles, and then for tight ends, he's got C.J. Uzma, Kenny uh, Yoba, and then Jeremy Ruckert. So, so to me, it, it's you know, you got you got a good running back, mm. which the Green Bay running backs were good, not great, but they were they were okay. Yeah, you know, and then you got the receiving core that to me, just looking at it 
on an eye test, you know, without pulling up stats and comparing yards after catch and all this other stuff, which I ain't got time for, you know, just to me doing the eye test comparable, you know, so is it an upgrade where like, you know, Tom Brady went from New England having some fairly decent players around him to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. And then he added Gronkowski and all that. I'm like, no, it ain't that, you know, so it's a lateral move for me. I mean, I can, I can see that argument. But I, for some reason, this just feels like a downgrade mm-hmm. in this sense. He's also going to a tougher division. Oh, I agree with you there. And I'm looking at this stage of his career. You're not getting him in his prime. Well, and uh, hey, at least he's away from the San Francisco 49ers. No, this is true. <laughs> this is true. But you're now going to be facing a Buffalo Bills team twice a year. Twice a year that Mm -hmm. is very, very tough. Mm -hmm. You're going to be facing a Miami Dolphins team that is a lot better than people give them credit for. Albeit though, twice a year, it relies a lot on how Tua is. True. And you're going to be facing a New England Patriots team that, no matter what, is going to give you problems because Belichick is still the head of that team. Well, and look at what the Patriots did against the Green Bay Packers last year with a backup quarterback uh, who was a rookie and had no practice time with the starters. Mm -hmm. Sorry, but facts are facts. The Patriots almost beat the, the, the Packers with a backup rookie QB. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be tougher for Rodgers, like you said, with all the, with all the stuff in the division. You know, but I think the thing that works in his benefit, and at least on paper, is their head coach, Robert Salah, is supposed to be a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got Nathaniel Hackett in there. He, fingers crossed, hopefully, because, well, we've seen weird shit in the past. Hopefully, he'll have Rodgers in there. And I'm only saying hopefully because, like we said, we're sitting here recording, you know, in the latter half of March. Nothing's official yet. Nothing's done yet. Something bizarre could fucking happen. High case in point, Josh McDaniels and the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. You know, so barring he gets or assuming he gets Rodgers, you know, he's got Nathaniel Hackett and Rodgers who know the system. He doesn't have to worry about it. He can leave play calling on the offense to Nathaniel Hackett, and then he could just focus on defense. So for me, I think at least on paper, the green the, the Jets defense will be an upgrade for him from the Packers defense because let's face it, the Packers defense was awful mm-hmm. and has been awful. No, the Jets defense is a lot better than people give credit for. But facing that division – that's a tough six games you got to face. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, you don't exactly have the firepower to compete with those teams at this stage. Brees Hall is coming back off a very, very bad leg injury. And then your wide receiver car, you have connection with Lazard. But other than that, you still have to work with a, with a crew that's not on that level, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I'm sorry. Like, I think that they have some talent, but I unfortunately, when they've only been working with Zach Wilson, it's a lot to turn everything around. Plus, you also have to see how much of his heart is still playing football. Right. He went on that darkness retreat and or retreat. retreat. Yeah. Yeah. And folks, if you are not sure what we are talking about, you can Google search it. I'll say, yeah, he he told the whole thing about it on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. He, Go look it up. He, yeah, he went into darkness for four days, nonstop, and nonstop, and. He's been doing a lot of interesting things in his off time. I was like, consult your local physician if before you decide to do some of these things. Correct. But now you have him wanting to play football again when he was at 90% walking out the door. Mm-hmm. So if his heart's not into it, coming to the New York media market is not 
helping matters. No. Uh, and while we don't know the schedule yet, I do have an article courtesy of the New York Jets that was posted on the 9th of January of this year. Uh, and the headline is, who will the Jets play in the 2023 NFL season? So this can kind of give us an idea of, okay, what's the season going to look like for them? Mm-hmm. Because as we mentioned, division not going to be any easier. What's the schedule look like? So for their listed home opponents, they have the Washington Commanders, Philadelphia, bum, 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 bum. Philadelphia Eagles, Atlanta Falcons, the Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, and the New England Patriots. Okay, uh, For away games, they have the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, Cleveland Browns, Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots. So they got the AFC South and they got the... NFC East. Yeah. Well, with with uh, the Atlanta Falcons mixed in there too. Yeah, the South is going to be the South. Uh, AFC's got a lot of work to do there. Mm-hmm. NFC East is going to be tougher than people give credit for, mm-hmm. and I think that we've we've documented that well over the past year of how much that division has improved. So it's just kind of weird at this stage that he'd want to go there, mm-hmm. but I think that it's not a benefit to him. I think it's a benefit to Green Bay mm-hmm. because now your drama is away. Yeah. And you're going to have to see what you got with Jordan Love, yeah. which, I mean, is a big X factor. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. Is it to say that he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers? Debatable. Because he's going to have to really show that he was worth that number one pick. I don't know. I mean, the jury is out on this, and we're going to have to wait to see him play mm-hmm. before we can go, yeah, he's the guy, or no, they got to go get somebody else. It's really up in the air. We haven't seen enough of him to make a confident choice. Yeah, no, we really haven't. I mean, for his career passing, uh, he's played 10 games, completed 50 passes on 83 attempts, 606 yards for three touchdowns and three interceptions. His longest pass was 63 yards. Uh, He's been sacked three times, and he's got a rating of 79.7. So really not a hell of a whole lot to go on. No. You know, so he comes from Utah State. He was the first-round pick in 2020, where in Utah he passed, uh, where was it, in his uh, final season passed 3,402 yards, 20 passes, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. His best year, however, was 2018 with 3,500 yards passing, 32 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Yeah. It's a lot of gamble. Mm -hmm. But I think Green Bay just really had that feeling that Aaron Rodgers had to go. Yeah. We talked about it. At one point, the fan base was so behind Aaron Rodgers, they couldn't get rid of him. Yeah. And now you talk to some Packer fans, and those Packer fans are saying, get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Which needs is to wild. Go. Yeah, it's crazy to think. But that is literally how this is coming across. And it's wild to see this play out. But at the end of the day, the Packers are going to have to improve on what they have. Mm-hmm. And I think their GM is going to be make or break for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily how much of a hot seat he has, but I will say this. If I'm the ownership, and granted, there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, there is. You have to really put some pressure on him to deliver a winner. Mm-hmm. Because you got rid of your MVP Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. You couldn't work with him. You had to move him. Now you've taken him to the Jets, mm-hmm. depending on the compensation package. Mm-hmm. What do you got now? And are you going to be an upgrade? And for the Jets, you really can't do much worse than what you had. No. So I think if Rodgers, though, wants out and he doesn't want to deal with the New York media, which I think is going to be a bigger problem than anybody's focusing on. He thought it was obnoxious when people were panicking about the Packers having like a bad loss or a bad record when he was in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. The fucking New York media is going to eat him alive. Hypothetically saying he goes 0-3, it's going to get get ugly 
in a hurry. He goes 0-3. The Yankees could get swept out of the first round of the playoffs. The Knicks could get blown out by triple digits. And Rodgers would still be on the back page of the New York New York media. Oh, yeah. Rodgers is going to generate the back page of the New York Post and Daily News there. Oh, yeah. And, and rightfully so. I mean, this is one thing that when you're in that big media market, you are the franchise player. Well, and especially since they were selling him, allegedly, mm-hmm. on, oh, you come to New York and you win a Super Bowl, your, your future, you know, your Hall of Fame status is guaranteed. You know, so that the media ain't going to forget that anytime soon. That like, oh, hey, you, you're going to come here and win us a Super Bowl. Like, yeah, where's our, where's our uh, title there, guy? Well, here's the, the idea with that, I should say. I was going to say, well, here's the problem, but it's the Jets. Yeah. This is like if the Chicago Cubs win the World Series and how big that was in that moment in oh, time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same thing if the Cleveland Guardians win mm-hmm. or a team that has never won before. San Jose. Yeah, this is one of those situations where if he does win as a Jet, mm-hmm. I, the city will come alive like you haven't seen. There will be a lot of Jets fans. We didn't know we're Jets fans. Exactly. You will see a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon. And 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 I'm sure we're going to have a lot of people hitting us up with that hashtag and letting us know some names too. But this is what Rodgers will do to cement his legacy. If he can turn around a losing franchise, and let's be honest, the Jets are who we are. Who, <laughs> they who, are who we thought they were. Yeah. If he can turn around and get them to a Super Bowl, he's already paid off dividends. I'll say the Jets have not made the playoffs since 2010, I believe. Mm-hmm. So can't go, can't go, certainly can't go down from here. No, they can't go down from here, but they also can too as well because well, say, if, well, you could. If, if Rodgers goes, you know what? I don't want to play anymore. I quit. Yeah. Hypothetically saying, let's say it's possible. Let's just say he's done. He doesn't get his way. He doesn't like how things are going. You mean that you can't judge how an athlete of his caliber is going to do. He gets a real sweet offer, a host Jeopardy. Yeah. He might want to say, you know what? This isn't worth it for me and my body at this age. I'm out. Yeah. And then the Jets burnt a golden opportunity away. Mm -hmm. However, though, I don't blame them for going for him. No, I, I don't. I think it's a good sign to your fan base. I think it's showing that you're trying, mm-hmm. and if you can land them, great. But like they touched upon, it's not set in stone yet. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be some moving parts going along. We could still see him go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. There was a rumor that the deal with Rodgers didn't go through. They had a deal in place for Matthew Stafford. Oh, I heard something about that this morning. Interesting. So I'm taking that as a rumor. So if that is the case, the Jets already have plan B and plan C set up. It just didn't pan out. I'll say if Stafford leaves, that leaves the Rams without a quarterback. And uh, Sean McVay might be going, hey, is that a is that commentary job still available? Yeah. There could be a lot, there could be a lot of dominoes falling if Rodgers doesn't go. Is it, uh, if I'm Sean McVay, is it too late to say just kidding? Yeah. You're going to have to watch that, that team uh, moving forward, too, if that does happen. Because there still is a lot of questions up in the air. But Rodgers has the most swing. Mm-hmm that he can shift everything here. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say when he has the most swing, he can really set some teams back if he decides to go, and he can set some teams back if he decides not to go. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be the one to watch moving forward, and it should be a done deal, but you can't say it's a done deal until you see the contracts. This is true. So 
Have to wait to see about that. But there was a lot more moves that happened, though, we have to recap on here. Yeah, so we're not going to go through every move, but just some of the ones that jumped out to us, including some from our own uh, teams. Uh, first of which was Jonathan Jones, cornerback, uh, re-signed with the New England Patriots for a two-year $19 million deal. Uh, there is $13 million guaranteed. That is the signing bonus plus the salary this year and $4 million of his 2024 salary. There's a per-game active bonus of a little over $58,000. Uh, and then he has an uh, $500,000 in annual incentive uh, based on playing time. Uh, good signing for the Patriots. Christ, we can't keep losing Pro Bowl cornerbacks every goddamn year. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets a little ridiculous, especially since he is electric on the special teams, as you saw last year against the hmm, New York Jets. It's true. Uh, so I'm, I was happy to see him go. You know, it wasn't too long. He was in the free agency waters i guess you could say but to have him back i'm happy for it that's a solid move yeah uh next up is uh the uh miami dolphins signed mike white uh formerly of the new york jets to a two-year eight million dollar contract with a 4.5 million dollar guaranteed uh that is his signing bonus plus the salary for this year uh should note there is a potential out after the 20 uh for the 2024 season Solid move for the Dolphins. I know that they did pick up Tua's option, which yes. I'm happy for. Yes. You, you know my feelings towards Miami, but I am happy that with everything Tua went through last season, they did pick up his option. Yeah. We'll just have to see what condition he is in. Yeah. And then Mike, with Mike White. It's a good backup. Just it's a good backup. Just in case something goes wrong with Tua again, which, God, I hope not. I hope not either. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather beat him on the field than see what happened to him last year. Uh, Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, decided to not retire as he was contemplating and re-signed uh, re with a one-year $14.25 million contract. Uh, so it is fully guaranteed. Uh, there Holy is, smokes. Well, yeah, it's, it's a one-year it's a one year deal. Still, though. Uh, there is a, a roster bonus in 2024 uh, for $2.75 million. That is guaranteed. Uh, and then in the – so this must be tagged onto his uh, – other contract because it's on spotrack.com it says the 2025 through 2027 years automatically void so there this must be tacked onto his previous deal or something okay that would make sense huh? yeah uh so hey good for the eagles keep him around for at least another year may try and make another run yeah i can't be mad about this no. now kelsey's been one of the key players of this yeah. know, resurgence for yeah. the eagles so uh the carolina panthers appear to have a quarterback although we'll see uh, they signed Andy Dalton to a two-year, $10 million contract. Uh, that includes a $4.835 uh, million signing bonus, uh, $8 million guaranteed. Uh, and then also, no, uh, that's, uh, there is a potential out in 2024 for one year, $6 million, uh, which would create $5.8 million in dead cap space. But, yeah, maybe Andy Dalton's the guy. Well, we'll see. Well, we have to talk about the big move that did happen involving Carolina, and that is the trade with the Bears for the number one draft pick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the Panthers now have the number one draft pick. So, yeah, they might take a quarterback. I'd be, I'd be willing to guess. Yeah, the Bears The Bears had a haul, too. Yeah. So the Panthers gave up their what, the ninth, the 40th, and a second next year and a, yeah. and a, and a first the following year. Like, Something. It was nuts. And uh, DJ Moore, too. Like, it yeah. was a yeah. crazy package to move. And sitting here watching this all – unfold mm -hmm. you have to feel that chicago i feel they the bears did the right thing here oh i agree justin fields has earned the shot to be that team's quarterback he has literally played everything they can he's done what he can do with that offense that did not really have any firepower around him so i'm not mad about this move at all 
And now with the Panthers giving away everything, it's not to say that they're in win mode or win now mode, but they're definitely taking some risks to build for the future. They're they're trying to set up for some stuff. Whether it works or not, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But I think Chicago made a lot of great moves too. Mm-hmm. They, in my opinion, though, I mean, I'm not going to duck this one. Signing Trayman Edmonds for four years, seventy two million, oh. fifty guaranteed. Oh. Listen, the Bills were never going to pay that much. And Edmonds has a lot of potential. I'm not saying he's not worth it, but if I was a GM, I would not pay that much. Mm -hmm. So I understand why the Bills passed on it. And I know that there are a lot of fans that were screaming, oh, no, you couldn't let him go, you couldn't let him go. For that amount of money, yeah, we could. Mm -hmm. Because I think the Bears outbidded everybody for him. Mm -hmm. So... That said, Chicago made a lot of moves, and I think draft day they're going to definitely make a lot more too. Mm-hmm. And I will say this: if you're a Bears fan, there's a lot to be excited about. It's it's hope, it's possibilities. Yeah. But for Carolina, yeah, they were making a lot of moves. Um, I don't know how it's all going to play out though. I think this this is a very big rebuilding project. Yeah. So depending on how much their GM can move. In the next couple of years, I mean, they might be in that contention sooner than later, but could be a lot of risky moves though. Could be. Uh, next up is the uh, Oakland, Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who added Jacoby Myers uh, from the New England Patriots. Uh, he signed a three-year, thirty-three million dollar uh, contract. Ten point five million dollars are guaranteed at signing. Uh, there is a five million twenty twenty-four salary and a five point five million dollar twenty twenty-four uh, roster bonus that is fully guaranteed. The third league day of the twenty twenty-four injury guaranteed at signing, uh, and he's got an annual per game per game active bonus of a little over fourteen thousand uh, dollars. So hey, another potential weapon to go uh, with Jimmy G out there in Vegas. Which let's talk about that. Yeah, good luck. No, Jimmy G, I will say this. I was talking with Rich from 3FN, who is a very, very big Raiders fan. True. And I, him and I had the same idea about this. The Raiders signing Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a lateral move. You can say it's a lateral move, but there's a lot more benefit to Josh McDaniels with this. Yeah, maybe. Because who did Jimmy G play with and have as his OC? Uh, McDaniels for a cup of tea. Right. But enough that there's a very common ground sense of being familiar with each other. That's enough for McDaniels to have him come in and be an upgrade from Derek Carr with most of the weapons still intact from the team last year, mm-hmm. which barring some injuries, they would have done a lot better. And let's face it, Derek Carr's play was too inconsistent. I think this is a steal for the Raiders. Right. I, I think that there's a lot more upside to Jimmy G being there because let's face it, Everywhere he's gone, he's had success. But I think the people had him being the next Brady leaving New England, mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that casts a very big shadow on him that I I don't think is right. Well, and I will admit, yes, he did play for New England when McDaniels was the offense coordinator there, but I say a cup of tea because he was with New England for three seasons, 2014, 2015, 2016. Uh, in 14, he played in 16 games past, or six games, excuse me, uh, passed for 182 yards and one touchdown. 2015, he played for five games, completed one pass, and then uh, for six yards and no touchdowns. Uh, and then in 2016, he played in six games, uh, completed 43 passes for 502 yards and only four touchdowns. So in three seasons with the Patriots, he only passed for five touchdowns and let's just round up 700 yards of passing. So 
is there going to be familiarity with, okay, he knows the system, he knows the play calls, he knows the audibles, he knows this, he knows that. Sure. Absolutely. You know, that's going to be a benefit for them. I'm not going to try and sit here and say, no, it's not a benefit. But will it mean success on the field? We'll see. Just because he never got a full shake in a full season, you know, as the quarterback in New England when McDaniels was up there because it was always, you know, there was the one season Brady got hurt, what Brady was uh, out for suspension, mm. you know, and then there was the other times in there. So does he know the system? Sure. I'm, I'm sure he might be a little rusty in certain spots because it's been, you know, it's six, seven years since he's been in that system, but it's going to be like riding a bike, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, but is it a benefit for McDaniels? Sure, because you don't have a quarterback coming in there completely cold, not knowing the system. You got to teach him from the ground up and build him from the ground up. It's all right. We got to bust the rust off a little bit, but you'll, you'll pick it up and remember it. And plus, he's going to be a bridge to whoever they get as well, in this yeah. year's draft. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for what they need right now, I think it works. Mm-hmm. The only other deal that makes sense to me is if they go get Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore. That will take a lot of moving and, and shaking, take, though. Take a lot of money. Yeah. So, I think for what they're setting up right now, I think this makes a lot of sense. And Jimmy G can help groom whoever is going to take over Mm-hmm. You know his spot in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean they and they do have some good weapons there. They got Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, OJ Howard is there as well. Yeah, you know and like we mentioned, they mentioned Jacoby Myers, which everyone's going, oh, it's going to be great for Jacoby. He's going to be back with Josh McDaniel. Listen, I watched Jacoby Myers for his entire NFL career to this point. You know he was with uh, McDaniel's for three seasons. His best season was uh, 2021 where he caught uh, 83 passes uh, for 866 yards and two touchdowns. That is his max for the season. He's caught eight touchdowns in his entire career. uh, Six of them coming last season, you know? So to me, he was always an, uh, yeah, he's there, but you know what? He's probably going to end up being used for more is if McDaniels decides to start running trick plays again. Yeah, which I think because Myers was a quarterback in college. Well, I think he's going to try a lot more this season that he now has more faith in his quarterback. I mean, I'm sorry. Let's let's be honest about this. I don't think he had that much faith in Derek Carr by how everything kind of played out. No. And I think that Carr's struggles definitely helped firm that belief. Mm-hmm. And I think now with Jimmy G, who has been successful where he's gone. And I understand that. Sure, they got Trey Lance and um, Brock Purdy came right. in you know, when he was hurt right. and came in and took the spot. Sure. Right. But for what they need right now is an upgrade from Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that with Jimmy G. And then if they go get C.J. Stroud or the kid from Florida, wherever they're going to get this year as a quarterback in the draft, mm-hmm. they have time to build him to take that spot. And then Jimmy G will just ride off into the sunset. I just want to point out, if things don't work out for Derek Carr, you've got a quarterback on your roster uh, with a perfect passer rating, Jacoby Myers. He's got 158.3 career passer rating. If it doesn't work for Jimmy G, yeah, you can do that. Four completions, four attempts, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's what I say. Just just pointing out. Raiders, I think, are going to be A-OK, even losing Darren Waller to the Giants for a third-round pick. Yeah. At this this stage for him, uh, Waller's been too hurt over the past couple years. Yeah. You know, so yeah. the Giants buyer beware, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta give Daniel Jones somebody. Yeah, it, it doesn't hurt in that as bad as people think it does. Yeah, uh, going to South Beach, you had the Miami Dolphins resign Raheem Mostert uh, for a where is it? There it is. Two years, five point six million dollar contract. Uh, Three point two of it, or excuse me, two point two of it is guaranteed. Uh, that is the signing bonus plus nine hundred thousand dollars of his salary this year, uh, and he's got a per game active bonus of a little over seventeen thousand dollars. Not a bad move. I no. mean, he, uh, he played great last season. 
Mm-hmm. I was expecting him to stay put. Um, kind of surprised it was that low for the money. Yeah. That, that's the only thing that threw me off for, but a great addition to keep in Miami. Yeah. Uh, switching over to the Patriots, they uh, re-signed Jabril Peppers uh, for a two-year, $9 million contract, uh, $6 million of it guaranteed. That is the signing bonus plus his salary this year, plus a $1.82 million of his salary next year, uh, and he has a per-game active bonus of $40,000. Good addition on defense. He was pretty solid last year, all yeah. things considered. Got to say. Uh, and then for the New England Patriots, they also added uh, James Robinson, who was with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jets, I believe, last year. He was traded last year. Yeah. Uh, they signed him for a two-year, $4 million contract. Uh, he has a week one bonus of $150,000, and then he's got a per-game active bonus of $40,000. Listen, he's not going to be the number one back. He's not going to be the every down back. To me, I think he's going to be more of the James White type, you know, the receiving back. The mm-hmm. We're going to sling you out in, in formation to catch a pass or two with an occasional carry. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with there. Uh, you know, it's a low-risk, high-reward uh, field. No, I agree with you on that one. Uh, next up is the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were in the market for a quarterback because, hey, they're retired. Uh, and they signed uh, Baker Mayfield for a one-year, $4 million contract. Uh, it is fully guaranteed and then uh, $4.5 million of incentives available. Well, they're feeling dangerous, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, it had a resurgence when he was out with L.A. for, mm-hmm. for a quick hiccup there. So mm-hmm. not a bad move in Tampa Bay. And I love what he said at the press conference, which I know a lot of people are running with, yeah. to paraphrase a little bit. I'm not going to try being Tom Brady. I'm just going to be me. Which is smart. It's smart. I think that people were, were taken in a completely different context. Mm-hmm. Listen, Mayfield knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He's not the kid that came out of Oklahoma. He He's in a real tough position because you look at previous sports where great athletes have retired. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Derek Jeter, you know, Peyton Manning when he left Indianapolis, where no matter who comes into their shoes, it could be some fusion, sciencey, you know, weird bullshit where it's like an amalgamation of the greatest parts of the, every quarterback in the NFL and they're still going to be held to that standard. Yeah. So the fact he's coming out here going right now, he's like, hey, listen, I realize you had a great quarterback these last couple of seasons. I'm not him. I'm me. So if you're expecting the same level of play you got with Tom Brady, well, you're going to be sorely uh, upset. Yeah, it's going to be a drop-off. Yeah. So And nobody's expecting Tampa Bay to do anything next season anyway. So Baker is playing with house money right now. Oh, yeah. Enough said. Uh, Next up, the New England Patriots signed uh, Juju Smith-Suster. Did not see this coming to a uh, three-year, $25.5 million contract. 16 of it is guaranteed with his signing bonus plus his salary this year and his salary next year. Uh, and he's got a per-game active bonus of a little over $58,000. Well, hopefully he does something for you. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I think this could help Mac. Oh, yeah. But at the same point. I think that the hype behind Juju has been exposed. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's got to put a lot of work in this offseason to be relevant. Sure. Because what we saw in Kansas City was definitely not the same as what we saw in Pittsburgh. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Well, and I'm not expecting Juju to come in and be the number one. He's another weapon you know, to throw to because along with Juju, they've got Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne uh, there as well. You know, and plus actually having a fucking offensive coordinator and not a, well, I've got a couple of guys here and I don't believe in titles. Yeah. Like they had last year. I think having Bill O'Brien back 
and and you look at the system he had with the Patriots prior to, to him leaving for Penn State because he was at Penn State before he was in Houston and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, you look at those years where he was in with the Patriots on offense. It was a fairly good offensive uh, system they had going on there. Now that said, I'm not expecting Juju to come in and be the number one. Mm-hmm. I think their number one is still out there. I think I think there's a chance there's a certain uh, guy out in Arizona they might end up with. I tell you what, if they can get him, that would be huge. Well, the only the only other spots I and we're, if you're not uh, aware of who we're talking about, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. The only other spots I've heard there was some other spot I forget there were three teams I heard mentioned that he could go to. The third of which I'm forgetting, so I apologize. But I know the other one that was mentioned is Baltimore. But is he really going to want to go to Baltimore if Lamar Jackson ain't there? That's <sighs> that's that's the thing. There there's a lot of X factors involved in him. See that's. That's why I'm waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. I could see him not necessarily moving the off season, but mid season. Okay. So I would not doubt that a team takes a flyer on Hopkins week five, week sure. six range. Sure. So it just depends if somebody gets hurt or somebody is on the cusp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was, somebody was throwing up stats online, but like Juju's numbers comparable to Jacoby Myers. Yeah, slightly yeah. better. Slightly, but you know, so he's not going to be the number one. But hey, it's just another weapon for Mac to throw to, other than Bourne and Parker. Well, I think, like I said, he's got a lot of work to do. It's it's solid for Mac yeah. to help him grow. Yeah, oh yeah. But I think, as far as a game changer, no, no. Uh, next up is Drew Locke, formerly of the Denver Broncos, signed a one-year, four million dollar contract with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it is one point seven five guaranteed, uh, or excuse me, one point seven five signing bonus, one point seven five guaranteed, uh, and then there is a per-game active bonus of thirty thousand dollars. So, not expected to start, but hey, if something goes wrong with Geno, got a backup. Solid backup. Yeah, he's going to put on for a city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Indianapolis Colts, who are, of course, in the market for a quarterback after they let uh, Matty Ice go, uh, signed with uh, signed Gardner Minshew. Minshew Mania, baby. Running wild in Indianapolis. Uh, he signed a one-year $3.5 million contract, uh, including $3.5 million guaranteed. Uh, no other bonuses or, uh, you know, per-game active bonuses or whatnot. So, Looks like he'll probably be starting the season. You know, I'm assuming the the Colts will draft somebody, uh, a quarterback in this year's more than likely upcoming NFL draft. So he's just going to be the bridge. But hey, uh, Indianapolis, Minshew Mania. I was hoping he wound up with the Raiders as a backup, (laughs) just as a backup. Not saying you know Jimmy G is obviously a true number one, right? But as a backup, I think him out in Vegas would have been money. Uh, Next up was the oh boy, this guy. Uh, Adam Thielen, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, signed a three-year, $25 million contract with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, This includes an $8,335,000 signing bonus, $14 million of it guaranteed. Uh, Let's see. There is a potential out in 2025. I mentioned uh, that. He's got a 2024 roster bonus of $2 million, 2025 roster bonus of $1.5 million, uh, and then the 2026 and 2027 years automatically void. Uh, But no one's really talking about that they're talking about how his comments about hey panthers are a super bowl team i understand he wants to paint that narrative he just got signed he just got paid you know have the team spirit mm-hmm. but seriously stop drinking the tea dude i i understand you want to try selling it but nobody is buying that mm-hmm. nobody is buying that this season uh, so in case you hadn't heard, uh, this is his actual quote. Uh, so this was on the Pat McAfee show a couple of days ago. Uh, said, quote, I wanted to go somewhere where I felt I had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. 
When I went there, I sat down with coach Frank Reich, coach Frank Reich, and I sat down with general manager Scott uh, Fetter. I sat down with the whole coaching staff, and I felt like Carolina was the place to do that. I feel like there's a real chance to win a Super Bowl, and that gets me so excited, close quote. In other words, they threw me the most money. <laughs> they threw me that, uh, oh, God, who was the guy that signed for the monster money that we we brought up the stats every year? Oh, Christian Kirk? Yeah, they, they threw me Christian Kirk money. The GOAT? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what happened here. Like, And you know what? I'm not mad at him for getting paid. Thielen, no, I'm not either. Thielen is always a solid number two. I would not call him a number one receiver. He's a number two. Oh, yeah. But he is solid, and he is great in that role. So the fact he's going to Carolina – um, like be happy. I'm happy you're getting paid. Oh yeah. But Super Bowl, or unless you're buying a ticket, I don't see you going there the next season. No, I mean I'm just gonna briefly read through their their roster here. They got Andy Dalton listed. This is according to ESPN.com. Uh, Andy Dalton listed as their starting quarterback. Miles Sanders is the starting running back. Adam Thielen, Terrence Marshall Jr., and Shy Smith as their starting wide receivers. Hayden Hurst is the starting tight end, and then Giovanni Ricci as the starting fullback. I mean, is anybody striking fear in you when I read those names? Unfortunately, no. No. I mean, you you look at the division and, you know, there's a possibility they could win the division because, hey, somebody's got to win that division. Exactly. They but, could... but, but are they going to make it out of the NFC where you've got, you know, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles and, and the Cowboys and the Giants plus, you know, whatever the hell happens with the NFC North this year. Plus, let's, that's not even mentioning the NFC West. Yeah, that's the whole point. You might win that division. I'm not saying they're not going to win. Right. But to say, oh, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. You're going to try telling me that you are better right now at this moment in time than Philadelphia and San Francisco and Dallas. Mm-hmm. That That's my top three right now. In that, and I don't even care if Brock Purdy's not playing. San Francisco is going to be just fine. There's no way that Carolina matches up on paper right now with those teams. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's just not happening. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'll mention your Buffalo Bills. They signed uh, Damian Harris, for running back formerly with the New England Patriots, to a one-year contract, uh, including an average annual uh, No, uh, Actually, there's no details listed on his salary, so they signed him to a one-year deal. One-year deal, and you know what? I'm not mad about this at all because they got rid of Devin Singletary. He is mm-hmm. now in Houston, yep. uh, which is fine. I'm not super upset about it. I always liked him in Buffalo, though don't get it wrong with Singletary, but sure. he's, but he's a, he's a Darren Sproles type. Oh yeah. He's not in every down back. He is a great screen pass catcher. Oh yeah. and can make plays after the catch. But for what is the deal here? I think that this makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. because the Bills look and I'm just saying as of right now, they look like they're going to try being committed to starting the run. Sure. Harris will be a solid back up to James Cook. Mm-hmm. And then Hines is still there as well. So the Bills stockpiled enough that they're going to try making this work. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't work, so be it. And I think that this is a very safe bet. Yeah, I mean, the only thing the only thing that concerns me, and this is, you know, having watched him, you know, the last four years in New England is injuries. Yeah. You know, just because his rookie year, he only played in two games. Uh, 20, his sophomore season, he played in 10 games. Junior season, that would be in 2021, he played in 15 games. And then last year, he only played in 11. You know, so he's a, don't get me wrong, he's a good back. Is he in every down back? 
No, I don't necessarily think so, but he's a, di- a guy who can certainly give you a, a boost and, and create something dynamic out of that backfield, and especially if you want to pa- do some passing with him. Yeah. You know, uh, 2021, he did catch for 132 yards passing. You know, no touchdown receptions uh, in his career, but, you know, so he's got some passing experience or pass catching ex- experience. But, you know, is it going to be an upgrade from what they had in, in the previous seasons? Well, it fucking can't be a downgrade where most weeks your leading rusher was your quarterback. No, oh, yeah, exactly. So that's why I say this is a safe bet mm-hmm. that if it doesn't work out, so be it. Yeah. It's a one-year deal. It's next to nothing yeah. to the cap, which yeah. for record to Josh Allen and Von Miller restructured some of their contracts. Didn't Diggs too, I heard? Stefan Diggs, who everybody is screaming he wants to leave Buffalo. I heard he wants to go to New England. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great this time of year, so you know, I don't blame him for making a visit. <laughs> but... Long-term, no. Diggs restructured his deal. If he really wanted out, I think he would made more of a fuss to get out, like he did in Minnesota. Oh, but Ken, the press never lies. The press never tells fictitious stories about disconnect between players and coaches in front office. I certainly didn't hear that for 10 years in New England. Oh, I know. I've been hit, I've been hit, getting hit up a lot on social media about this. And, and listen, I'm, just, I'm being very honest. Stefan Diggs is fine. Was he mad they lost? Yes. If he wasn't, I'd be a little concerned. Exactly. I'm glad he showed that emotion. And you know what? This is what makes him such a great player to follow because he does leave everything on the field. Remember when they lost in Kansas City? He was the only person to watch this, the celebration. Yes. And you don't think that was motivation? And obviously with what happened this year and how the Bills faltered because I'm just going to say – the key reason, in my opinion, was they did not sit Josh Allen to rest that arm up mm-hmm. and make him 100%. Mm-hmm. I could understand his frustration and watch what happens this year when he comes out. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots signed Mike Gesecki to a one year, $4.5 million contract, uh, including a $2.4 million signing bonus, uh, $3.5 million guaranteed. Uh, and then there is a per game active bonus of $50,000. Uh, so listen, he's an upgrade from John Smith, who the Patriots traded to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, for I think it was like a seventh round draft pick or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listen, John o. Smith had an albatross of a fucking contract that there was a ton of. I don't I forget the specifics, but there was a ton of money against the cap that was like it was a terrible deal. And and I mean, you just look at statistics wise. I mean, shit, he ain't any worse. You know, Gisecki, uh last year had thirty two catches, three hundred and sixty two yards, and five touchdowns. But that was with a rotating quarterback situation down there in Miami. Whereas Johnny Smith last year, 27 catches, 245 yards, and zero touchdowns. You know, so I think it's smart for the Patriots, you know, to bring in Gusecki. It gives them a, uh, gives them a one-two punch at tight end with Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, which that's something Bill O'Brien liked to do his last tenure uh, with the Patriots and tight ends, although we won't mention that other guy that was a tight end in New England in those times. Don't need to, but Gusecki is a solid yeah. move. I think Miami losing him is going to hurt a lot more than people realize. I think so. Uh, and then we're going to mention a uh, couple more Bills guys. I'm saving one for last. Uh, next up, we're going to mention Jordan Poyer, who uh, re-upped with the Buffalo Bills for a two-year, $12.5 million contract, $4 million signing bonus, $7 million of it guaranteed. There is a potential out in 2024. Uh, let's see. There is a per-game active bonus of $30,000 and then $1 million in annual incentives. This is all I'm going to say about this move okay? because – he, there was something that happened during the playoffs that did not sit well with me. Okay. And I'm going to just stress this out now. If you're talking about free agency during the playoffs, I don't want you back on the team. Hey. 
and he there was a lot of stuff that was coming out. It's like A-Rod announcing he was going to be a free agent in the middle of the World Series. Yeah. You don't do it. Yeah, there was a lot coming from his camp. I'm going to, I'll, Let me rephrase that. There was a lot coming from his camp saying that he was ready for free agency, and, and this came up during the playoffs. If you're not committed to the team, I don't want you there. Well, I just looked at who his agent is, and, well, that explains a lot. Exactly. exactly. So I'm going to say this. I was shocked to see him come back Sure, with all that hype about going to free agency. So sure. my, my guess is this. He tested the market, and the market was not impressed by his performance. <laughs> and the thing that I think will work in his favor is if Poirier comes back with a little chip on his shoulder and really fired up, I think this will work. But the one thing that scared me about him is when Micah Hyde went down, Poyer was not the same player. Mm-hmm. And I understand you have a different personnel with you on the field. And Hyde has always been his you know, partner in crime. Mm-hmm. The fact that there was a decline when Hyde went out, in my opinion, does worry me a bit. But that's mm-hmm. why I think with a, with a fully healthy Micah, Micah Hyde sure. coming back, playing for a contract too, mind you. I think it's going to do wonders for that Bills backfield. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of Buffalo Bills, we got to mention a former Buffalo Bill. That is Isaiah McKenzie signing what looks to be a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts. Details are not available at this time, so it looks like it's a one-year deal. Not mad about this, unfortunately. Like, McKenzie always liked great uh, speedster, but dropped some balls in clutch times. And mm-hmm. I think that, unfortunately, in how the league goes, is the Bills had a very solid wide receiver core. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, he was going to go. Like, I think that was something most Bills fans knew. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to see him go to Indianapolis, and I hope he gets an opportunity to really play. Right. Uh, and then last and certainly not least, the Buffalo Bills signed Connor McGovern to a three-year, $22.35 million contract, uh, including an $8 million signing bonus, $11 million guaranteed. Uh, there is a potential out in 2024. Uh, mentioned the guaranteed. Uh, guaranteed. He has a $1.1 million uh, of 2024 salary is fully guaranteed one day after the 2023 Super Bowl uh, injury guaranteed at signing. And then if he makes the Pro Bowl, he will earn $250,000. Pad, where did he play before this? Uh, that would be the Dallas Cowboys. If you are not familiar with the steal we got... I understand, and I was talking with Dre Driven about this. Shout out to Dre. This move is going to hurt Dallas, and this is going to really help the Bills. Mm -hmm. This guy is going to solidify the line. Now, am I going to say all is well with Buffalo? Right. No. But huge addition that this is one of the key elements the Bills need to fix this offseason. I love this move. I cannot speak so highly about this move because he covered a lot in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, well, you know, how did Pollard and, and Elliot do and give Dak protection? Right. This guy did a lot. So now he's coming to Buffalo where Josh Allen needs somebody to buy him time. Yeah. We now have that person. Yeah. We're still maybe one more lineman away from really – locking in something special here but this move really got me fired up i think it's going to pay dividends as long as he can stay healthy and this is a key element to getting a balanced offense going because we need a line we have decent running backs but nobody has holes to run through Mm -hmm. 
So step in the right direction. Love this move by Brandon Bean. So definitely yeah. am, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, so like we said, those are some of the ones that jumped out to us. Not all of them. A couple of free agents still available. Uh, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Kenny Galladay, Bud Dupree is still available. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, let go by the Dallas Cowboys. He's a free agent. Yeah. Uh, still available. Uh, I love how J.J. Watt's still listed, although that's even though he hasn't uh, signed his uh, retirement papers. That's hilarious. Uh, looking at some of the other ones, Nelson Aguilar is a free agent. Jadavian Clowney, Bobby Wagner is a free agent. Uh, so there's a couple of guys out there, you know, Randall Cobb, free agent, you know, so if your team didn't do anything, don't worry. There's still some guys out there that, you know, they might pick up later in the uh, summer. There's a lot of things that can happen in the off season from now, mm-hmm. but this is the big catalyst to get the ball going. This is what we need as Bills fans, as Patriots fans, as fans period to get excited about or go. Our team needs to fix this. Or what the fuck were you thinking? Exactly. Because there's still a lot of moves that can be made out here. And oh, yeah. there's a lot of names like Pat touched upon. They're, they're floating around. Lamar Jackson's still technically a free agent, if you want, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So that being said, football is back. How is your team doing? Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. Is your team stepping in the right direction in free agency? Is it falling back with some of the moves that have happened? Who are some of the names that you want added to your team? And how are you feeling now going into the NFL draft? Because now things are really going to start picking up in the business side of the National Football League. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk about a card that went down, and really, let's be honest about this. I think this one surprised everybody mm-hmm. because it snuck up on a lot of fans. Yeah. Then I'm not saying there wasn't a lot of hype behind it because the main and the co-main event were definitely box office. Mm-hmm. The rest of the card, in my opinion, uh Nothing was really a sizzle, you know, yeah. coming from that. Yeah. And, Pad, what event are we talking about? We were talking about UFC 286, which took place this past Saturday from the O2 Arena in London, England. Yes, which had two very, very stellar fights in the main and co-main, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the card was okay. Sure. Um, Not a lot of crazy highlights coming out of this. I mean, I know Marvin Vittori was victorious in his mm-hmm. win, and then there was one of the nastiest uh, knee bars I have seen in recent memory mm-hmm. in the flyweight division where I still have not figured out how uh, Muhammad Mokovet uh, survived. If you are squeamish, don't look for the video. Uh, okay. Like, it is one of the most horrific uh, knee joint locks I've ever seen. And how he survived it, I, I legitimately, I have no idea. I don't. I'm hoping he does not have permanent leg damage because he did not tap. Mm -hmm. So buyer beware with that. But, Pat, let's get into the two main events because I really think we got a lot to talk about with this. Yeah, so the first one was the co-main event of the evening, and that was in the lightweight division where Justin Gaethje defeated Rafael Fizev uh, via majority decision, uh, 29-28, 29-28, and 28-28. So this one, man, Justin Gaethje made a weird... Pro, pro, or 
statement at the end. Okay. And he has basically said he's on the final tour, mm. to, to paraphrase a bit, that he has been doing this for so long and is now or never for one more run at the lightweight title. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't pull it off, it's done. Okay. So it's not like in the sense of he's called his shot and is going to do it like if I lose, I retire type deal. Right. But you have to take a look at his body of work. Uh, first professional fight was on August the 20th of 2011. Uh, so he's been fighting for a little over 10 years. Uh, in 28 professional matches, he has a record of 24 wins and four losses. And that's not counting. He also has an NCAA uh, wrestling record that stretches back to March 19th of 2009. Mm-hmm. So he's been he's been in the fight game of various sorts since 2009. And you think about this, too. What's his fighting style? Rock'em, sock'em, robots. Yeah, that's not necessarily a good recipe for a long career. Yeah. So when he made this statement, I know it caused a little bit of buzz because he is young. He's still in his mid-30s. But looking at his literal body of work, I'm not surprised by this. No. And he's also in this weird state where you take a look at the contenders in the top five of the lightweight division. Mm-hmm. And... He's had varying success against them. Uh, so the lightweight champion is Islam Machekov. Number one contender is Charles Oliveira. Two is Dustin Poirier. Three, the aforementioned Justin Gaethje. Number four, Benil Darush. And then number five, Michael Chandler. Yeah. So we know he's had some wars with some of those guys. Yeah. So the fact that he is won in you know such a, a fashion this time around against mm-hmm. Fizev, who a lot of people were expecting this was going to be the fight to put him into a title shot. Right. Now you have to think that Gaethje is back in that conversation, but where do we go from here? Yeah. That's the argument because Gaethje looked great. Gaethje left Fizev in one of the nastiest uh, states after a fight. Jesus I'm, I'm showing Pat Christ. the photo from ESPN.com. Jesus Christ. Which does not do justice about what Gaethje did. I would say not, no. So... It's really a question of where do we go from here? So I'm looking at the uh, rankings, as I mentioned, and I'm also flipping back and forth between that and Gaethje's record. So number one contender, uh, Charles Oliveira. Can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah, he lost via uh, Renegade Choke submission to Oliveira. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also fought against Michael Chandler, who he beat beat by unanimous decision. I am looking at uh, there's no mention of Dustin Poirier or Benil Darouche. Uh, he did fight. Where is it? I thought I saw him. Nope, he hasn't. Or yeah, he did. Yeah, he fought Michael Chandler and won via unanimous decision. So, a lot of those guys. If you want to make something of those fights that I mentioned between, uh, you know, Poirier, you know, or Darush, you know, you got some options there. I think the one that really makes a lot of sense to me is Poirier. Okay. Because much like. Gaethje, Poirier's in this weird state of where do we go from here? And I know that there is a certain group of MMA fans, much like the Snyderverse, that want to see Conor McGregor fight Poirier again. It, it's it's that parallel. I'm going to put it out there. It, it literally is. McGregor fans have this weird kind of symmetry with Snyderverse fans. That said, that fight's not going to happen. No. Thankfully, because Poirier would absolutely destroy him again. I don't care how big Connor is right now, because I know he bulked up for 170, and he's going to be taking on uh, Michael Chandler too. Right. That said, I think that Poirier is in a situation of well, 
he's a fight away from getting a title shot too. Right. I think the smart money is put these guys in a match and the winner gets the title shot. Win, lose, or draw. That whoever comes out of this with the victory, they get it. Mm-hmm. Forget the other, what happened in the past. We're going to run it back against somebody, or, or if Islam is still champion, you still do it there. It's the only thing that makes sense at this stage. Yeah. Well, and he seems to be one of the only guys in that division that doesn't have anything currently going on. Exactly. That's you another know, point, too. I, I went to his Wikipedia page, and specifically under the uh, you know mixed martial arts career section, and for 2022, it only mentions Poirier faced Michael Chandler on November 12th, 2022 at UFC 281. He won the fight via rear naked choke submission in the third round. This fight earned him the Fight of the Night award. That's all there is for 2022. So there's nothing announced. It's like, oh, he's scheduled to face, you know, Joe Smith at UFC 360, mm-hmm. you know, in December. So he's got nothing on the bo- on the cards for him to fight. So it's possible. It's definitely possible. I mean, you have to think about that situation of who's available because Gaethje's not going to wait around for a title shot. Right. He's he's never been that guy, really, for the for the most part. I think that he he did wait around a little bit. Um at one point, but then it's like, okay, we got to get going. I saying, I do got to correct myself. I scrolled down a little bit. Gaethje has fought Dustin Poirier, but it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, he lost to Poirier via TKO in April 14th of 2018. Yeah. So it's been a while. I think it's been a while, but that's one fight you, you just got to let him go. Yeah. You, you got to, and, and Poirier's box office, Gaethje's box office, it makes sense. Yeah. As for Fizev, I mean, this one, it's tough. It really is tough. Mm-hmm. Because he was on the rise. I mean, you take you have his record, I know, nearby. He was on that rise that if he got past Gaethje, I think he was going to get the number one or number two guy. I yeah, really do. Yeah, so uh, going into this fight, uh, and it was 13 professional matches, and then Fizev had a record of 12 wins and only one loss. Mm-hmm. His only loss prior to this coming uh, in his first UFC event, that was a UFC fight night on April 20th of 2019, where he lost via TKO. That was a spinning back kick and punches. Uh, so this was his second loss in his professional career. Yeah. So this one, I mean, looking at everybody up there, I don't really have a clear-cut answer. Right. I mean, you got Machekov, who's the champ, so but he just lost, so they're not going to give you know they're not going to give him a title shot. Yeah, yeah. Fizev's just lost. He's not yeah, getting Fizzo, anything. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know what you do with this. Yeah, because Oliveira's taking on Darush um, May sixth. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, depending what, what happens yeah, there. Yeah, it might be a, it might be a holding pattern until some of this other stuff plays out. Yeah, because I know Chandler he'll be tied up. Gaethje, well, obviously we, yeah. we just ran that. Yeah, Poirier, I don't think he's going to do that. No. So no. you'd almost have to start looking at the like the mid tier of that lightweight division, mm-hmm. or unless somebody moves up and then you kind of dance around with that. Like there, that's just one thing with Darush. Or, I mean, um, I'm sorry, not Darush, but with Fizev. It's really a big question mark because you can't bump him up, but this wasn't a bad loss per se, but it was a bad loss for him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this weird status that he's at right now. But we've seen this happen in a couple other fighters, though, too, mm-hmm. that now it's basically make weight, hope somebody uh, you know has to pull out for some reason, you right. know, you know, nothing career-ending, mind you, and hope you can slide in somewhere and go on short notice. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can really say for Fizzev right now. I, I just I don't have anybody that's like a clear-cut, right. like that's the fight you need to make. Right. Unless you really want to try having somebody that's rising up through the lightweight division that's that would be a real test, like two bi- you know another big prospect. Right. 
that would be the only other fight I could see really getting made. I because I know that some have said like maybe the loser of Darush and uh, Oliveira and mm-hmm. I, man maybe I mean maybe but I like I depends don't, on how Dana's feeling that day. Yeah, like I say, I I can't really agree with that. Like I I don't know. Like I just I don't I don't I just don't know, Pat. Yeah. I just don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, and then in the main event, it was for the UFC welterweight championship where you had Leon Edwards defeat Kamaru Usman, although I use that term very lightly, uh, because it was a majority decision with the judges' scorecards reading 48-46, 48-46, and 47-47. I never thought I'd be making this statement, but I think here I am. Okay. Edwards was in Usman's head. Yeah, I'd say so. I never thought I'd see somebody get inside Usman's head and just throw him off, but Leon did. Yeah, uh, this is now his second consecutive loss to Leon Edwards. Uh, the first loss coming at UFC 278 back in August of last year. Mm-hmm. And that was a knockout. Yeah, like I, I'm just in shock of this. I mean, Edwards was we've we've said this time and time again on the show. Mm-hmm. He's never been somebody that is. Flashy mm-hmm. box office. Yeah. He's technically sound in all aspects. Yeah, but like I'm, I don't see him on that same level of a Masvidal, right? A, right. A Nick or Nate Diaz, right? A somebody that you watch that is just press conference and, and oh yeah, yeah. The thing about Edwards is he goes in and wins, and I will say this: I applaud him for keep going in that last fight sure like, for not stopping sure i think that's he showed a great example of what fighters should be doing yeah like like you said though he's he's not flashy he doesn't have those sound bites or whatever and, and even the fights aren't that flashy because i'm just looking at his record 25 matches 21 wins three losses one no contest you look at the breakdown of his wins you know okay seven by knockout three by submission 11 by decision mm-hmm. so it's not exactly the most thrilling thing in the world yeah he's got some knockouts in there you know, but when you get a mo- most of your fights are by decision, you're not exactly. I don't think you exactly have people clamoring to buy a pay per view because your name is on it. Yeah, I just I don't. But this is where things get very very interesting. Sure, we do know that at UFC 287, Gilbert Burns has taken on Jorge Masvidal. Yes, I'm gonna say this. I'm I'm gonna say call it my Vegas intuition. Okay, <laughs> Masvidal is going to win that. Okay. And then the UFC has one of the biggest storylines fall right into their lap. Because, Pat, I don't know if you remember this, but you remember when the last time Masvidal ran into Leon Edwards at the back of a uh, show? Ironically, I do, because I was scrolling through the rabbit hole of Facebook watch videos, and that one came up. Yeah. I don't remember the year, but I remember it happening. Yeah. Two Piece in a Soda was born. Yeah. Yeah. Because what was it? Uh, Masvidal was mid-interview back yep. backstage, and then Leon had walked by. I don't even know if Leon said anything to him, but like Leon, something was said. Something yeah. something was said, but by who? We, or yeah, yeah, said yeah. at first, we don't know what. It's lost to the annals of history, you know. But Leon walked by, and then shit kicked off. Yeah, no, and <laughs> so no, I do remember that, but that's only because the video came up in my Facebook watch rabbit hole the other day. See. I think that that would be the perfect scenario for the UFC. Oh, yeah. By far and away. Am I going to say that Masvidal is going to beat Gilbert Burns? No. In my honest to God opinion, I think Burns beats Masvidal at this stage. Probably. 
But I do love Jorge Masvidal, so I would not mind seeing him get that win. I also, just, should be noted, and I'm looking at Leon and Edwards' uh, record, they've never fought. Yeah. So, like I say, there's a lot of things that can play into this. A lot. So, that said, I think that that's the fight you got to do if if he wins. It's a hell of a jump because I'm looking at the rankings. Obviously, Leon Edwards, number one, uh, is the champ. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, number 11. But still. He's the fact that he's fighting Burns yeah. as high as he is. Yeah. If he gets that win, mark my words, they'll make that fight in a yeah. heartbeat. Yeah. And I don't care about Colby Covington. I'll coming say, back. He, he just started chirping again. I saw. Well, he showed up at the fight making weight. Oh, he he okay. was he was ready to go in to fight whoever. I'll say that Donald Cerrone mentality. Okay. Well, for him, let's face this. Take a look at Colby's record for a sec. He's had two title fights in the past year. Didn't cash in on either one. Usman beat him outright. Right. And I'm going to paraphrase something Edwards had said. In the press conference, I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Edwards said, look, Colby wouldn't fight me when I was a lower-ranked fighter. Right. And I've had to go on this win streak for how long now? Yeah. And he literally had to force his way into the title shot that they couldn't deny him. Yeah. Colby suddenly wants to fight him after Colby has lost two times to Usman. Right. And when was his last fight? Uh, For Colby Covington, his last fight was at UFC 272. That was a win against Jorge Masvidal. That was on March 5th of 2022. Yeah, so he hasn't fought in a year. Fought in a year, yeah. Yeah. So why does that make him so worthy of a title shot? Though the argument you can make is love him or hate him, Colby Covington is... Right out of the Chael Sonnen playbook. Yeah, it's not wrong. He's He makes a lot of noise. He makes a lot of headlines. You make, you have people that spend good money to watch him get his ass kicked. The only, the only thing missing is a cupcake and telling people he feels old. Yes, and how he doesn't want to work with children. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is very, very true. So in this a- aspect... I understand why the UFC is saying he is going to get the next title shot, but I'm 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 not so sold on that. I, th- I think if anybody, because I'm looking at Leon Edwards' record, and it is quite impressive, as you said. Uh, his last loss was to Kamar Usman. That was back in December of 2015. Christ. Mm-hmm. He also the only blemish on his record since that loss was the no contest against Bilal Muhammad. That was an accidental eye poke in March of 2021. I think if you want to give anybody a shot against Edwards. Do that one. Bilal Muhammad, hey, you had a fight that was an accidental eye poke, never officially finished. We never saw how it ended. If you want to give anybody a shot, well, there you go. I'd have no problem with that. Yeah, and I I looked at the rankings because it's not that big of a jump. Uh, Muhammad, currently the number four ranked fighter. No, I think that he is in another weird spot here too because the problem with him is he's much like Edwards. Mm -hmm. He's solid technically. Yeah. He's not box office. Yeah, I'll say uh, 26 professional matches, has a record of 22 wins, uh, three losses, one no contest, uh, five fights by one by knockout, one by submission, 16 by decision. Although, also of note, since that eye poke against Leanna Edwards, has not lost a fight. Yeah. So, this is a weird place to be in for him. Mm-hmm. Because I think the fight you, you could make there if they did um, Muhammad and... Edwards, I'd have no problem with. Sure. But you'd almost have to put that on, like, a UFC 200 card. Sure. Or you'd have to really stack it behind, like, a John Jones uh, Miosic fight. Sure. Just because I don't know how that would go over because even though both fighters are very good, 
you have to really sell fights to really <laughs> drive the interest. I don't know if it's there. Like, I mean, like I say, for me being uh, somebody that really appreciates the sport and the athleticism, mm-hmm. I'd watch. But if you want to try talking like, hey, let's get a watch party going and yeah. everybody throw in for it, yeah, it's a tough sell. Right. Well, now, now that I'm doing some a little bit of research, uh, it looks like that fight we're discussing might not happen because according to MMAfighting.com, Dana is currently, quote, working on a Bilal Muhammad versus Shavkat Rachmanov fight next. Okay. I'd be, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Shavkat, they're they're huge on. Uh, then this came up apparently at the 286 post-fight press conference where Dana said, quote, what's next for Bilal? Uh, Rachmanov, we're working on it, close quote. But you know what? I'd be so mad if, if, um, if I'm Muhammad about this, though, too. Oh, I would, too. I mean, because you look at his record, you know, since he had the no, and I think I was reading the wrong thing earlier, so I apologize. Uh, you know, you since his no contest lost, or uh, no contest to Leon Edwards, he's won one, two, three, four fights in a row. He beat Damian Maya via decision, uh, Stephen Thompson via unanimous, both of these by unanimous decision. He beat Vincente Luke via unanimous decision, and then he knocked, knocked out Sean Brady in his last fight. Yeah. You're going to have to really do something to to, yeah. to push that. I get, like I say, I understand what they're trying to do. And with Muhammad, I mean, I'd love to see him fight Colby Covington. To be honest with you, I could say I think that fight makes a lot more sense to me. Mm-hmm. But you know, because Colby's ready to come back, okay, you need to beat the guy that's been sitting here waiting for the chance. Right. And if you're really that good, you'll be able to do it in a heartbeat. So, because with Usman also there too, it's really interesting to see what he's going to do next. Mm-hmm. I could also see him moving up weight. Sure. Because I know that way back when they were talking about him against Adesanya, well, Adesanya's not champion. Perea is. Yeah, this is true. If Adesanya loses at the next fight, Mm -hmm. I could see Usman moving up. And if that's the case, this would be a very, very long night for Perea because that wrestling would give him problems. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, because otherwise it just depends on what Usman wants to do at the stage. You you were one of the most dominant champions of your time, mm-hmm. but you need something to really light you light a fire under you. And I don't know who in that division that's out of the top, you know, three mm-hmm. is one that okay you can really make a, a great fight against. Right. But this is where I think you're going to see a lot of different moving parts happen. And it just depends on how much Usman wants to get back in the cage, too. Because mm-hmm. I think I, he came back a little too soon. Mm-hmm. And you could definitely tell his head was not right for this one. Yeah. Just my opinion. Because this was just a dominant performance. The big takeaways from these fights are you had Gaethje and Edwards dominate mm-hmm. and really look strong. And for Usman, it was more of a, a puzzling thing to see that right. Edwards got in his head. But then again, Edwards is the only person who's knocked him out. So that does linger around you, but can you bounce back from it moving forward? That's going to be the takeaway from this. Yeah. Who does Edwards fight from here? That's another question. Same thing with Gaethje. Fizev is going to be a puzzle no matter what, and I think, unfortunately, he might have to wait a while until he gets a good run coming out of this either way. Mm-hmm. So many storylines coming out of UFC 286, so why don't you hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Give us your reactions to the fallout from UFC 286. Let's talk about your matches, who you got fighting who and why. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD, all right? Oh, wow. For <laughs> Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have a watch, DVD you watch it? Yeah. Hansel and Gretel. She basically has sex with it, somehow. Foreplay. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's chair foreplay. I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's my number three. 
Oh! oh. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, that's you why I was making it right. It has one? You, you would one have that. three lines of dialogue. So she has three. Oh. Okay. So I'm actually gonna get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Anyway, we're Dark Phoenix 2. Uh, so, no. So no. <laughs> no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips's dick. Okay. But we don't okay. in a hot tub. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not, I'm not flying their rings <laughs> very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is obviously the local minute. And looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that is the league, our local Binghamton Black Bears plan. Uh, in the Empire Division, Binghamton still in second place behind Danbury. Danbury in first place with a record of 36 wins, 6 losses, and then 5 losses in overtime or shootout. Binghamton second place with a record of 30 wins, 14 losses, and then 4 losses in overtime or shootout. Uh, both Binghamton and Danbury, also Watertown, have clinched playoff spots, so we're getting closer to playoff season for those uh, those teams. Uh, and then looking at their schedule from this past week, had three games. Uh, two were on at home, one was on the road. Friday they were on the road playing the Elmira Mammoth, where they won by the final score of six to two. Came home on Saturday, uh, March eighteenth, to play the Elmira Mammoth, where they won by the final score of four to one. Uh, and then they won, came back on Sunday on at home against the Watertown Wolves, where they won by the final score of seven to four. So looking ahead to their games, they have this upcoming weekend. Uh, they have two games. Uh, both of them are on the road. Friday, March twenty fourth, seven thirty p.m. Eastern. They are playing the Motor City Rockers, uh, and then Saturday they are playing the Motor City Rockers again, this time at 6 p.m. Uh, for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. They have mentioned, listed, though, uh, some of their final home game uh, promotional uh, details. So Friday, March 31st, is going to be Sock Out Cancer Night. Uh, that is going So there's going to be a special Sock Out Cancer jersey, uh, and then there's going to be a sticker collection uh, going on, uh, hand out commemorative stickers or something. April 1st is First Responders Night. This is benefiting the American Heart Association. Uh, there's going to be a First Responders Specialty jersey, a heart cup slash Black Bears ticket special, $12 first responders tickets, and then a Muckles sticker collection night. Uh, April 7th, which is also Friday, is Hall of Fame night. Uh, they're going to be 50th anniversary specialty jerseys. Uh, three new inductees to the Binghamton Hall of Fame and another Muckles sticker collection night. And then a sa- uh, Saturday, April 15th, is fan appreciation plus downtown doubleheader. Uh, there's going to be a team photo giveaway, a chance to win season tickets for the 2023-2024 season, and a ticket deal for the Black Bears slash Rumble Ponies games and a post-game skate. 
Hey, not yeah. a bad way to end the season. Not on. a bad way to end the season. Also, for a uh, local minute, got to mention the Binghamton Robo Ponies uh, because uh, minor league baseball season and regular baseball season almost here, uh, but a little over a week away. Uh, the Binghamton Robo Ponies are going to open their season on the road in Portland, playing the Sea Dogs. Uh, they have their first first home series starting on Tuesday, uh, April eleventh, where they're playing the Somerset Patriots, which is the Double A affiliate of the New York Yankees, which. Could see a Martian sighting here in Binghamton, depending on where he lands for the minor leagues. Uh, he did get Jason Dominguez, the Yankees' touted prospect from uh, overseas at the ripe age of 20 years old, I think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, got sent from the major league camp down to the minor league camp, so he will be in the minor leagues at the, some portion. Uh, he ended last season in the double-A, so assuming they don't promote him to triple-A, we could have a Martian sighting here in Binghamton uh, fairly soon. Uh, so we will see. Also got to note, minor league baseball is doing a super cool pr- uh, promotion, uh, which the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are a part of. And I'm reading from their uh, website where the headline reads, Binghamton Rumble Ponies to play as Condores de Binghamton as part of the 2023 Copa de la División uh, event series. Hmm. Uh, so the article reads, quote, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are proud to participate as the Condores de Binghamton as part of minor league baseball's Copa de la División uh, event series. Condores de Binghamton will take the field on three occasions, Friday, May 12th, Thursday, July 20th, and Friday, September 15th, and tickets are available now by visiting uh, their website. The Rumble Ponies are proud to be part of, uh, proud to be one of 95 on-field Hispanic identities across minor league baseball. Uh, as part of minor league baseball's national season-long campaign. Through the success of the COPA program, now in its sixth season, minor league baseball has solidified its, its commitment to the long-term growth of its U.S. Latino uh, slash communities uh, with diversity and inclusion efforts across the country. Whether patrolling the mountain cliffs of the Andes or the hills of the southern tier, the condor inspires awe in all who see it. Condores de Binghamton are majestic, graceful, and athletic birds, evoking the ball players who call Binghamton home. The colors of the uniforms of Condores de Binghamton honor the flags of Venezuela, Colombia, and Ecuador, nations where baseball is a treasured sport and where so many great players in the minors, minor and major league leagues hail from. Uh, Condores de la Division or Copa de la Division apparel is now available. Uh, shop the Lord's Armory Team Store online at rumbleponies.milbstore.com or visit us in person. Uh, definitely check these jerseys out and, and check out your local teams to see if they're doing this. Cause I was reading through some of the team names, uh, before we recorded and this is really cool. And you know, what? I might have to pick up a hat of these cause the, the logo is super cool. Yeah, no, this is awesome. And definitely pick up some merch for this. Cause I mean, just what they're doing here. I think yeah. is just so awesome. Yeah. Also, before we end the local minute, we have to make a plug. I know it's March Madness season going yes, on. Yes. And I know we didn't get to do the official tournament uh, breakdown, but you know what? I think both Pat and my uh, brackets are in the garbage right now. No, not quite. Really? Still hanging in there? Still hanging in there. It's not perfect by any means, but I believe I'm going to double check because uh, I'm doing it on ESPN. Uh, I'm in the 88.2 percentile. Uh, I am, and I'm in the first take group. Uh, oh, geez. Listen, I'm in that group just to beat Stephen A and Molly uh, Kiram, which I'm beating the both of them right now. So hey. I'm happy with that. But looking at my bracket, uh, let's see, my final four still intact. Uh, and then also uh, my uh, national champion uh, still intact. Who you got? Uh, I've got uh, Houston winning the entire thing. Yeah, see, mine, unfortunately, Duke yeah. did not go there. I had to there, go with my there, team. There you go. No. You know, this, I will say this to kind of speak briefly about March Madness. The parody that you're seeing now between schools sure. is really shining through. And you've seen now two number ones get upset mm-hmm. in very dramatic fashion. But 
I, the games have been exciting. Is yeah. why everybody stops what they're doing to watch on the weekends. Yeah, and see how the teams are all shaping up. And it's been fun basketball. Even it's like though, Christ, the sixteen beating the one. Yeah, I mean, Lord. I mean, the second second time that's happened in history. Yeah, Virginia has to be so happy they're not going to be the only ones in that club. I love the UMBC tweet because they beat Virginia a couple years ago. I love the UMBC t- tweet after uh, Purdue lost and and what was it FDU beat them. And, and UMBC was like, oh, finally, it was getting lonely at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, finally, my picks loaded up. So in the final four, I've got Alabama taking on Tennessee and then Houston taking on UCLA. And then I've got Tennessee and Houston in the uh, national title game with Houston winning the whole thing. All right. Because on principle, I can't pick Alabama. I can't do Alabama either. I, I did not have them going. So that's why I said I had Duke winning the whole yeah. thing. But, you know, I got to stay loyal to my squad. That's, sure. that's what I do. Speaking of squads, though, mm-hmm. the Binghamton Bulldogs. Yeah. Currently in the tournament to get to the Elite Eight of the ABA. And if hey. you are in the 607, this Saturday night, March 25th, 7.05 at the uh, Binghamton Bulldogs Sporting Complex, they are going to be facing off against Providence in the Northeast Region Finals. So if they win this, they're heading to St. Louis for the National ABA Tourney Elite Eight. So this is a very big game if you are in the 607. If you want more information about the game, BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or better yet, go to their Facebook page where, I, in my opinion, they're very much more active. Yeah, uh, one more because it just occurred to me. Uh, we got to give congratulations to the Binghamton University Club ice hockey team. Oh, man. Uh, who won the D2 AAU College Hockey National Championship last week. Oh, nice. Uh, where they finished with a record of 23-5-1, and uh, and they beat Fairfield University 6-3 in the championship game. So, hey, congratulations to Binghamton University for winning the championship. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, making some moves here. That's probably the, lo- the longest local minute we've had in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, and then got to talk some baseball because World Baseball Classic is going on and the championship game is going on as we speak, uh, where you've got Team USA taking on Japan for the championship game. And it has been a thrilling uh, World Baseball Classic, if you have not been watching it, from the pinball match that was Mexico taking on Japan with Japan uh, walking it off in fashion. I mean, Christ, the Randy Orodes uh, yeah. uh, catch in left field. Fuck. Trey Turner hitting a go-ahead grand slam late in the innings against Venezuela. Fuck. Like, I, and it, it's been awesome to see just, like, the last four games in uh, Miami have been all sold out. Mm. You know, 100% sell out. And then I know there was one of the recent Japan games, not the last one against Mexico, but the one prior to that I saw was on in 48% of households in Japan. Holy smokes. And then the other one was, I, I forget who they were playing, but that one was on in like another 40, almost 50% of households in their respective country. It's awesome to watch. Uh, you know, so we got that going on. Go Team USA. Absolutely. Uh, and then as uh, with that wrapping up, we are about a week away from uh, opening day starting uh, for Major League Baseball. It starts on Thursday, March 30th. Uh, our beloved New York Yankees are taking on the San Francisco uh, Giants at a 1.05 p.m. Uh, Eastern game. Garrett Cole, of course, will be starting. So go Yankees. Quest for 28. But that's not the important part. The important part is I put money down. Folks, uh, and especially Ken. You know who I hate most of all in the baseball world? That would be the Houston Astros. I'm going to warn you now. Get the bail money set aside because I've officially put the money down uh, myself and my girlfriend, Liz Bailey, on August 5th. We'll be going to Yankee Stadium to watch the New York Yankees take on the Houston Astros. We need video of this because I, I feel that I might need a backup co-host in mind the following uh-huh. week because Pad might be in jail. I might get arrested because I, I, I proposed to my girlfriend like this. I said, hey, we haven't been to a Yankee game and since 2019, mm-hmm. obviously 2020 was was COVID, 
And then 2021, we went on a vacation with my family. So we were tied up with that. And then last year we did our own little vacation. So we haven't been since 2019. I said, Hey, you want to go to Yankee again this year? We haven't been to one in a while. And she's like, well, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to, I'm like, no, don't worry. I, I, I'll cover it. I'll cover it. And she goes, well, who are they playing? And I, I, I she goes, well, when is it? I said, well, it's in August. And, and she goes, well, who are they playing? I go, well, let me phrase it to you this way. Do you want to hear me boo incessantly for like three or four hours? She goes, oh, they're playing Houston, aren't they? I go, yep. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I'm in. Liz knows. Oh, yeah. She knows my hatred. I was going to say, your hatred is very well known. <laughs> I've got years of pent-up aggression, and I've not been able to, you know, let it go or let it out. So I'm going to be booing a lot for three hours. I might not have a voice the following week. Well, let's say that's why you always hear at the end of the show, Pad gives a, a special shout-out to the Houston Astros. Fuck them. Every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. Can't be mad about that. Nope. So let's wrap this up very, very quickly. Hockey-wise... The Rangers. Jesus Christ. No, the Blue Shirt Nation is coming for the cup. Two games, 13 goals. 13 goals. Goddamn. Zero let up. The the boys are clicking right now as we're recording. It is still 0-0 against Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh, so this, the shutout streak is continuing right now. I thought it was hysterical the one day, what was it, Boston put up like a 7 nothing score on, what was it, Buffalo mm-hmm. or somebody, and the Rangers went, LOL, watch us do that in one period. Yeah, exactly. They've been on fire lately. Everybody's starting to finally click, so they're looking great. Number three in the Metropolitan Conference or Division right now. So, yep. listen, a lot of stuff to be excited about for that. On the basketball side of things, the Knicks – uh, kind of a little up and down, but Jalen Brunson is finally back in the lineup. A little rough loss to the Timberwolves, uh, 140 to 134. So they didn't Randall put up like 50 something. Yeah. Randall put up 54 and they didn't, Good they didn't win. And then now late break into the show, our deepest condolences going out to the family, friends and fans of Nick's icon, Willis Reed, who passed away at the age of 80. Yeah. Uh, devastating loss, but a legend that will live on forever if you're not familiar with him, man, you need to get familiar with just the impact Willis Reed had on the Knicks and, and basketball in general. Yeah, uh, some of the highlights and awards he got during his NBA career. Uh, he was a two-time NBA champion in 1970 and 1973. He was an NBA Finals MVP in both of those years. Uh, was named the NBA's most valuable player in 1970. Was a seven-time All-Star from 1965 through 1971. Was Won the MVP in the All-Star game in 1970. Was the named to the All-NBA first team in 1970 was a four-time All-NBA second-team player from 1967 through 1969, and then also in 1971. Was named to the All-Defensive first team in 1970. Was a one Rookie of the Year in 1965. Was on the All-Rookie team in 1965. Was named to the NBA Anniversary team in on the 50th and 75th anniversary, and then uh, of the NBA. And then his number 19 is, of course, retired by the New York Knicks. Yeah, I mean, it's a devastating loss, but his legend will live on forever. Also a gold medal winner, won the gold medal for Team USA in the 1963 uh, Olympics in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah, like I say, an absolute legend. If you're not familiar, get familiar. Yeah. So let's talk some wrestling to end the show with. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, too, we had the opportunity. I did not get a chance to talk about it on here. Uh, for Apple Pl- TV Plus, we had the chance, 607TWS, uh, by way of Nerd Initiative, shout out to everybody there, to interview the cast of Monster Factory. It's the pro wrestling school out of New Jersey, legendary school that's created hit or superstar after superstar. Definitely worth the time watching. It's six episodes. You definitely want to make sure you check it out. If you really want the insides of pro wrestling, I can't speak highly enough about the show. We have a review up there. We have the interview of the cast up there. 
truly worth the time. So definitely, I'm really pushing to make a point. ODPH Society, you need to check it out this weekend because obviously this is a great complimentary piece to go into WrestleMania season. Yeah. And we did have some news get announced. Uh, a couple more matches finally finalized to talk about. Yeah, so while the card's not entirely finalized, we can know a couple matches when they're going to take place. Obviously, uh, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes is going to take place on night two as the main event, and then it was announced uh, via Logan Paul uh, that his match is going to take place on night one because, well, that's his birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other matches that were announced uh, for the show uh, we on Friday uh, on SmackDown, it was announced that Gunther would be taking on Drew McIntyre McIntyre and Sheamus uh, after the shenanigans two weeks ago now uh, they had a matchup on Friday for Smackdown between Sheamus and, and uh, Drew McIntyre to determine who would face Gunther at the uh, what was it at Wrestlemania but, yep. when it, but when it looked like it was going to be a double count out Gunther stepped in shenanigans involved and Adam Pierce goes fine you wanted an outcome for this I'll give you an outcome triple threat. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I'm yeah. uh, really excited to see this match. Yeah. Really excited. Uh, you have a women's WrestleMania showcase fatal four-way tag team matchup uh, that was announced. Uh, the only team announced right now is Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, they will be taking on three teams yet to be determined. So who will they be? You never know. Uh, all, all I know is it won't be damage control because, well, they're busy. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's awesome that they're, they're doing that because they're also doing that with the men's side, yep. uh, too. Yep, that was the other match announced. That was the men's WrestleMania Showcase Fatal 4-Way Tag Match. Uh, we do know all of the teams for this one. It is Ro- uh, Ricochet and Braun Strowman taking on the Street Profits in Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, also taking on the Alpha Academy in Chad Gable and Otis, yes. uh, and also the Viking Raiders with Eric and Ivar. Uh, but uh, No, go ahead. No, the more you can get wrestlers on the show, it's a big deal. It's WrestleMania. It's the grandest stage of them all. So if they can say on their career they had that moment, by all means. I love when they do stuff like this, like Battle Royals and such. Yeah, and listen, if this gets Otis and the Maximum Male uh, Models uh, angle going on 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 WrestleMania, I'm all for it because I love it. Yes, that's that's so good. So good. Uh, And then announced last night on Monday Night Raw, uh, it is after we had the the hug the world was waiting for. Well, the hug except for a certain percentage of the internet wrestling community. (laughs) Uh, You had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn finally hug it out and agree to team up to take down the bloodline. And it was announced on Monday Night Raw, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso, taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a tag team match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. We should have had the LeBron Saunders about damn time. Uh-huh. The hug heard round the world Friday night. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are back on the same page to take down the bloodline. Yeah. And t- stepping up to face the Usos. This has been the story they've been building since day one. Yep. So for anybody that is still not on board with this and thinking Cody Rhodes is not getting cheered when he's in the ring with Roman Reigns, which, by the way, had a monster promo segment. Mm-hmm. If you did not hear that, mm-hmm. some of the best work by both mm-hmm. in recent memory, and that is saying something considering their yeah. their resumes. Yeah, This is just proving how stacked WrestleMania is. The storylines are there. This is why this is crossing over into pop culture. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this at length on 607TWS, available on all your favorite podcast platforms. But this is why we get invested as fans. Mm-hmm. Look at how this build storyline has been going. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's cinema. This is where you watch a movie play out, and this is just connecting on such a different level. Yeah, and, and they're doing so good with the booking and just the way the matches are done, where it's not like in the past, you had the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, or you had something that like was pre-show, and I'm like, all right, whatever. If it, if it, if I'm in the room, I'll watch it. But like you got that men's tag team Fatal 4-Way, then I'm looking at it going, you know what? Those are all teams I'll sit down and watch, even, yeah. if, even if it's on the pre-show. And the women's, okay, it's only Liv and Raquel Rodriguez announced on there, but you know what? 
I'll probably end up watching it based on who, no matter who they announce for the other three teams. Yeah, because I think they're doing two Raw and two SmackDown. So, that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't even know who they're going to add. But listen, you're having so many wrestlers up here, and that whole weekend is so stacked mm-hmm. from top to bottom. I'll say Friday, you're going to have the SmackDown plus the Hall of Fame ceremony, which, hey, congratulations to Ricochet, mm-hmm. uh, the great Muda, and then also Andy, uh, Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Long overdue for that yeah. one. I was surprised they finally decided to do it. I'm, surprised I'm still it wasn't in shock. Do- I'm surprised it wasn't done already. Yeah, exactly. They should have done this years ago with yeah. Andy Kaufman. If you're yeah. not familiar, well, watch the Hall of Fame ceremony. You'll understand why Andy Kaufman getting in is well, huge. Well, and I know the full segment from their infamous David Letterman uh, segment is making the rounds on YouTube. Sony re-uploaded the full clip, yeah. not, not just a little portion, but uh, so look that up. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So to yeah. see that connection, I mean, that is a very big part of pro wrestling history. Yeah. For anybody that's not on board. They're clicking on all the right cylinders right now. The storylines are, are meshing well. The fans are fully behind it. You're not hearing so many people flipping out that Sami Zayn isn't taking on Roman Reigns, which right. I'm glad that stopped. Right. Even though the new hip thing is, well, Jey Uso should be. Right. Which, listen. Give it time. As as we've talked about on, on, on this platform, as we've talked about 607 TWS, be a fan and just let it happen. Yeah. Seriously. This is this is the first WrestleMania in my, you know, going on 10 years watching wrestling. Has it been 10? 10. My first one was 30. Holy uh, shoot, yeah, so this this is the first one that like I normally look at WrestleMania and like there's a certain match or a certain part of the card where I can look at it and go, all right, that'll be my bathroom break. Yeah, or that'll be my my break to go up and get food. I'm looking at this card now, and we don't even know when some of these matches are going to take place on what night. And I'm looking at yeah, there's not a match on here that I want to just skip for a bathroom break. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. There's a lot to discuss about pro wrestling, and this will kind of segue right into our closing because we do have a special announcement. If you did not hear 607 TWS that just was released, well, simply you can find it at odphpodcast.com. We have the links right there. Next week, 607 TWS is taking over the ODPH Sports Edition for two weeks. Much like the Nexus. No, I'm kidding. Yes. Maybe we'll find that theme song somewhere. (laughs) We'll see. Because for the first time ever, Padawan Jay is going to be joining Rich from 3FN and myself to break down WrestleMania all nights, give our predictions, and Pat has definitely got some hot takes ready to go. It's a special occasion. I expect muffins, goddammit. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see about that. Uh, and then the following week, Pat is going to be here on Tuesday for the WrestleMania recap. Mm-hmm. So we're going to break down both nights of WrestleMania and and the night after Mania, yeah. the biggest Monday Night Raw of all year. Potentially the biggest Monday after WrestleMania in quite some time. Ever. This legitimately could be. I mean, you're talking to a Slammy Award winner right yeah, here. This is true. So that said, you want to make sure, one, you're following 607TWS on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, two, Make sure you're keeping your eyes and ears out for the social media. Mm-hmm. Three, check out the Monster Factory show on Apple Plus TV, because like I said, Rich from 3FN and myself got a chance to interview the cast. They're all fantastic people. They are following the show. A nice. good majority of the cast is nice. and interacting too. So definitely want to shout them out. Uh, maybe we're going to have to be doing a couple quick shout-outs for Monster Factory as they're starting up their shows. I know it's gotten some traction on the Squared Circle subreddit. Like A couple people have mentioned they've watched it, and a couple of threads I've seen have said great things about it. It's amazing. 
And I'm not saying this because we interviewed him. Right. I legit watched it, the six episodes, 30 minutes each, roughly, give take, maybe some are 40. It's too short because they they do this right. amazing job. Danny Cage, who's the head trainer down there, yeah. breaks everything down. So if you've never watched pro wrestling, you get the behind the scenes. Uh, okay. And he has an amazing group of students there, all varying in where they are on the card, so to speak. And they all have amazing stories. And that's what you take away from watching it. So, Pad, like, I, I can't recommend this enough to okay. you, to everybody. Make sure you check it out on Apple TV+. Plus. Hit them up on the social medias. Let Danny and the cast know you watched and what you thought of it. If you're a wrestling fan, you're going to love it. If you are not, definitely give it a shot. And I guarantee you might be getting hooked by this. We have the uh, Season 1 review, and it's non-spoiler, on odphpodcast.com and nerdinitiative.com, too, as well because they were the ones that were, uh, reached out to ask us about doing the interview with them since we are affiliates with them. So definitely want to shout out everybody there. So that's your homework assignment for next week. Get ready because it's WrestleMania season. You know we have a lot to discuss with that, so we'll just keep it very short and very sweet. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. Pad, it's been one hell of a sports show. What do you got to say to everybody on the way out the door? Fuck the Astros. And to Cam Newton, you're right. There's not 32 guys better than you. There's 74. Oh. Pad is spitting that venom out right now. He, he's he's looking for that smoke. But I'm your host, Ken M. And I just want to say thank you for listening to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.